0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Banter Podcast, Episode 9. This is your host, Ben Cohen. I'm here with my co-host, Mike. You've instructed me to turn this over to you ASAP because you've got
1: something you want to get off your chest. In fact, two things you want to get off your chest. So so you have the floor, my friend. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. I am fresh off a virtual happy hour with my family (laughs) where... We talked about some of the things that we're gonna talk about today. So I'm already at 60 miles per hour, uh, (laughs) more like 100. But, and we'll get into this later. I never again want to hear that Republicans are the pro-life party. I don't wanna hear anything from them about the sanctity of life and that abortion and assisted suicides are forbidden because God. But when it comes to reopening the economy right now, which will almost certainly have an extremely adverse effects on the number of cases and the number of deaths we need to do that because capitalism and republicans are making the case that a recession or a depression would be deadlier than getting back to work in a pandemic but there is absolutely no evidence for that i'll i'll get into these numbers later but in the last recession that we had that was 11 or 12 years ago the mortality rates actually declined over that time between 05 and 2010. So, Republicans are putting this out as a reason why we need to reopen the economy, because life, more people will die. That is not true. So this has nothing to do with the idea that a recession will kill more people than the plague we're dealing with right now. Nothing to do with it at all. For them, it has everything to do with the economy And getting it going again and trying to make sure their deranged, man-baby, narcissistic cult leader gets another four years. Republicans don't give a shit about your grandmother. They don't give a shit about your dad. They don't give a shit about your coworker. And they don't give a shit about you. The Republican Party sold its soul decades ago. And the result is the fat, amoral piece of trash in the White House right now who puts himself before everybody else. He puts himself before country, puts himself before party, puts himself, whatever you want. But Republicans are so chicken shit that they don't call out what is an obviously and objectively abhorrent move by this guy, urging everyone to get back to work. And the best some Republicans can do when you know he does something that they don't agree with is say something along the lines of, Well, I find it concerning, you know, like Susan Collins, or they say, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. That's the best they can fucking do. This guy's not getting any fucking pushback because they're all fucking scared of him, even though they have to know. Maybe some of the dumb dumbs don't know. Maybe Brian Kemp down in Georgia is so fucking stupid and maybe Mississippi's governor, whatever the fuck his name is, he was on TV the other day. Maybe he's so fucking stupid. He doesn't get it either. But I have to believe a lot of these Republicans know that the result of opening up now is entirely predictable. And it's going to result in way more deaths than we would have had if we just sheltered in place for a little longer. I'm going to interject there just Please, briefly, just, 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 quick,
0: just quickly. Yeah, they actually internal to Trump. I think the New York Times just released an inter- there was an internal Trump House memo about it's going there's going to be a 70% increase in covid cases if they reopen all the states this is this is an internal memo this is something being circulated in the trump administration so your anger my friend is completely justified you've articulated what i think um, at least myself and many people listening are feeling about the situation it is completely fucking insane the white house has now basically signaled that they just they don't care they give a fuck. They don't care about people dying. You you are going to sacrifice yourself for the Dow Jones and for Trump's re-election prospects, and that's 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 it. And I think that um, you know they're betting on um, the kind of right-wing media echo chamber, essentially sort of not focusing on all the people dying. Right. This is what I think there will be what we're going to see now is, is a coordinated effort on right-wing media to downplay the number of people um, dying. They won't go into hospitals. Um, they're going to be focusing on other stuff. They're going to be focusing on Tara Reid. They're going to be focusing on well, everything that isn't the coronavirus because they need to create the impression that what is happening is not what is happening. And that's, that is, that's scary.
1: The Dow Jones is doing just fine. I mean, we got that another horrendous jobs report. We're up to like 14.7 million or excuse me, we are up to 14.7 percent. That just counts people who are out of work and who are looking for work. It doesn't count for people who have given who have given up looking for work, who are unemployed. And it doesn't count people who have part time work that they but they prefer full time work. But yeah, the the Dow is doing just fine, NASDAQ, S&P doing just fine, um, and it's really messed up. It's it's really messed up. Apparently, all news is good news as far as these indexes are concerned. Um, Elon Musk, first of all, he and his girlfriend um, Grimes, the musician, uh, welcomed a new son into this world. Congratulations for them. And they gave him a very interesting name, and I'm sure some of our listeners are aware of the name. But the name is spelled capital X. I'm sorry, wait, I'm sorry. It's so yeah. funny that. I so, it's it's spelled. sorry. Go ahead. I. I. I'm afraid. To, <laughs> I'm afraid to finish this. I'm afraid to like continue uh, because I, I don't yeah, want. You to no, no, it. please
0: spell it out. Spell it out. spell it out. I, this is every time I read it, it, it makes me laugh. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt your
1: your rant, but keep. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's capital X space followed by this like Nordic combination of a capital A and a capital E merged together, and that's supposedly pronounced ash, and that is followed by Capital A dash twelve, and that's just to be clear. That's that's the number twelve. It's it's the it's the numeral. It's not the word twelve spelled out. So this guy's. It's, so you pronounced it. This guy, this baby, this poor baby. Oh my god, his name is pronounced X Ash twelve. No, excuse me. It's pronounced X Ash A twelve. See, I got like I got the thing written in front of me, and it does. I still can't like decipher it. And I have to imagine that, like, giving your kid such a name is just a, one of the potential results of being super rich and having unlimited access to just a galaxy of crazy drugs. And then... And
0: with the term, there's a term in the UK we, we have for people who do that kind of thing. It's called being a wanker. He, he, is, he a wanker. is a complete wanker, yeah. Like Elon Musk is a wanker. There's no two ways about it. He's He's a rich wanker.
1: And speaking of reopening... So here in the Bay Area, there are several counties that have extended the shelter in place orders till the end of May, I believe. Uh, California as a state is starting to open up with some restrictions, but not here in the Bay Area. I'm not sure about San Francisco, but I know east of San Francisco we're, we're in until at least the end of May. So one of these counties that's still under the shelter in place is Alameda County, which is where Tesla's Fremont factory is located. Musk announced that employees are going to come back to work. They're going to get the factory going up and going again. This is just so on brand for Elon. He thinks the rules don't apply to him. He thinks he can open his factory when he's not supposed to. He can name his kid a number like, you know, George Costanza did in that Seinfeld episode when George wanted to name his future kid seven, Elon might actually have a problem here because I guess in California, you can't use numbers in a person's name. So I don't know how that's going to go over. Um, Knowing Elon and his appetite for litigation, I wouldn't be surprised if he sues the state of California for the right to name his kid what he named the kid. Look, I mean, I, I
0: I think there needs to be a law about rich people and celebrities naming their children. They're not allowed, basically, not allowed to do it, uh, and, and at least wait till the kids old enough to name them. Either choose their own name, or you have to have somebody else who isn't part of their immediate family to name to name the kid. Because, I mean, look what Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin did to their kids. What's it? What's one of the kids' names? Apple or something? Apple. Apple. You can't call your kid Apple. It's a fucking piece of fruit. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's it, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it, it's a form of child abuse. Yeah, anyway, right, you know, it, it, it's sort of it's narcissism. And Elon Musk doing this to his, Look, Elon Musk is a weird dude. And his his wife is weird. She's weird as well. She looks like she like I, I don't mean to be kind of rude here. but I'm not. Being, I don't know. Maybe she's probably a nice person. I have no idea who she is. But she looks like she's about 12. Right. And and Elon Musk looks like a very haggard kind of he looks like he's on a lot of psychiatric drugs at the moment. He looks like he's strung out on some sort of sedative, and uh, and he's kind of he's like a creepy old guy with a very young looking girlfriend uh, who looks like a sort of a uh, space aged goth. Uh, and now he's named
1: his. It's just the whole thing is weird. I think that guy is he's lost the plot. It's one thing if you want to have your own midlife crisis and date the way younger musician. If you want to, you know, fly around the country in your private jet doing God knows what, taking God knows what, don't take your midlife crisis out on your kid. Hey there, this is Mike Luciano. I'm interrupting this podcast with a brief epilogue to this segment. No sooner had I finished editing this episode for length did I see a tweet from Elon Musk which read, quote, Tesla is filing a lawsuit against Alameda County immediately. The unelected and ignorant interim health officer of Alameda is acting contrary to the governor, the president, our constitutional freedoms, and just plain common sense, exclamation mark, end quote. Now, I want to note here that according to the New York Times, Tesla and Alameda County had been talking about working through conditions to reopen Tesla's factory in Fremont on May 18th. That's nine days from the time of musk's tweet that i just read but apparently musk couldn't wait the times notes quote that appeared to be unacceptable to mr musk who wanted to open the plant on may 8th end quote so musk tweets this nonsense because he didn't get exactly what he wanted is he serious about moving tesla headquarters who knows and who knows to what extent he would move the operations in Fremont to Nevada and Texas. Does he plan on taking the whole factory with him? Or is it just the headquarters? The tweet is very vague and deliberately so, I'm sure. Maybe he gets a single desk at a WeWork in Reno or a PO box in Vegas and calls it Tesla HQ. Who knows? But there are a couple of things I wanna say about this. First, this is not how the CEO of a publicly traded company is supposed to convey major news. And this is major news and Elon knows he can't do this. He knows he can't do this because he and the Securities and Exchange Commission last year had a settlement after Musk lied on Twitter about having the funding necessary to take Tesla from being a public company to a private company. And as part of that settlement, Tesla was fined, Musk was fined, Musk lost his board chairmanship, and the board of directors is supposed to approve all communications from Musk that is considered material to the company. And moving your company's headquarters seems pretty fucking material to me, but I highly doubt the board signed off on this tweet. Pretty sure this is just Elon being Elon and doing whatever the hell he wants. And second, and more importantly, imagine how you'd feel if you're a Tesla employee in Northern California and you're home enjoying your Saturday with your family or whatever you're doing, and you see your boss tweet that he's going to move the company's headquarters to another state. What's going through your mind? You're probably thinking, is my job safe? How serious is he? Is he crazy enough to follow through on this Twitter hissy fit and move just out of spite? Because that's what this looks like. He could have had just nine more days to go until Tesla reopened the factory if he had played nice and played by the rules the county had laid down during a public health emergency. Nine days. And he couldn't wait. So, my question is what is so urgent that this company with a market cap of well over $100 billion couldn't wait nine days for? At best, this is an odd fucking gambit. And at worst, it seems like a desperate one that maybe speaks to a major problem with the way this company does business that perhaps we don't know about. If you're a Tesla employee and Musk moves the company or at least part of the company that includes your job, are you gonna follow him to Nevada or Texas? Or do you start looking for a new job down the line? Do you start looking for a new job right now? What is going through your mind? Other than the fact that your boss can't wait nine days or even if it's the end of the month, the end of the month is only three weeks away, three weeks. and so. Screw Elon Musk for sending this tweet. Tesla's got thousands of employees in California and a bunch of them right now, instead of enjoying their weekends, are wondering how long they're gonna have their current jobs. In the middle of a pandemic, no less, where the labor pool is growing and the job market is shrinking. Seriously, Musk is a douchebag. His ego has been butt hurt by government officials acting to prevent the coronavirus from spreading. And so now he's gonna lose his shit on Twitter and if that freaks out his own employees too bad, because Elon needs to get something off his chest. And since I've now gotten something off my chest, back to our regularly scheduled programming, where Ben and I will talk about the crazy coronavirus conspiracy theories going around. Enjoy the rest of the show. I, I don't know how, I wanted to, talk, to
0: discuss it, but I don't know how much ranting I want to do about it, about the conspiracy theories flying around on the coronavirus. I think that's an important it is, it's an important topic and i'm i'm doing my best to kind of keep my temper but social media is just filled with in, the most insane conspiracy theories you i you can't even begin to imagine sort of how batshit crazy well you can i mean have you have you seen this pandemic uh nonsense that's now doing the rounds on the internet no So it's not really worth going into in too much detail, but basically Plandemic is a propaganda movie made by some new age, some new age filmmaker who is convinced that this whole thing was a sort of, some sort of conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. Uh, It's based on the story of a scientist who was fired from her job. And you know, the, the new age community is now claiming that this woman is a whistleblower, I believe because she revealed that, you know, coronavirus was created in a lab. So, yeah, it's a it's a new age film made by a guy called Mickey Willis, who's apparently a filmmaker of some sorts. This is I'm reading a synopsis of it. The film it depicts a now discredited former researcher called Judy Mikovits, who shared a plausible sounding narrative about the current pandemic. She says there's no. She, so the claims that this woman makes is that there's no vaccine for any RNA virus that works, she said that ebola could not infect humans until it was engineered to do so she said that um uh, the u.s was working with wuhan to study coronavirus years ago what else does she say she's basically saying that if, you know doctors are incorrectly diagnosing coronavirus due to financial incentive that that, that like hospitals are profiting from, from it they're bilking medicare because of it uh she said that hydro hydroxychloroquine which is the 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 quack medication that trump has been promoting that has been shown not to work it's a malarial drug which actually works for malaria but it's it's been shown not to work she's saying that there's a hydroxy, hydroxychloroquine shortage as a result of reduced production all vaccines she says all flu vaccines contain coronaviruses the, the list of sort of false information in this film is just insane. It's got It's got millions and millions and millions of views. YouTube had to take it down because of the false information. It's been completely debunked on every single level. And the number of people who've sent it to me saying, what do you think of
1: this, has been truly shocking. Are these people sending it to you because they think it proves something, or are they sending it to you just to get your take on it? No, they're sending it to me because they think it proves something. They, this is what's what's
0: really really concerning me. That smart people who I know are sending it to me because they think there's some legitimacy to it, right? And and I think this is extremely worrying that this is taking off. You've got this sort of convergence between the new age spiritual movement that believes that you've got women like um, Kelly Brogan, who's a apparently a former psychiatrist who. Tra- who Studied at MIT, she's saying that germ theory is incorrect. That there is no such thing. She basically, the coronavirus doesn't really exist. It's of, it's based on fear, so it doesn't really exist. And people believe this stuff, and they're not going to get they're anti-vaccine. They think it's a plot to to get people globally uh, globally vaccinated with microchips. So Bill Gates wants to put microchips in vaccines, and he's been killing African children with with uh, toxic vaccines. The disinformation is 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 completely insane and it's growing and growing and growing so I think we're at a kind of a difficult moment now in, in history where it's it's quite
1: difficult to get people to accept the reality of what's happening I wonder how much of this content is being produced solely out of cynicism by people who know that these videos or blog posts will take off not because they believe in them but they know that like the conspiracy nuts that follow Alex Jones are easy marks. And anything you tell them that goes against the prevailing narrative, they will believe. Right, right. I mean, it's hard to say. And I mean, there's another one. Did you Are
0: you familiar with a guy called David Icke? Name rings a bell. Icke, David Icke. He's a guy that believes that there are kind of reptile humans that are, you know, they're not hu- – there are hu- reptilian-type human creatures that live amongst us who are – doing damage they control the banks they control the you know the royal families kind of got their lineages like reptilian lineages and, and whatnot and the you know there's a big conspiracy like 5g and coronavirus are linked and
1: etc et et I, so, I thought the conspiracy theory was that jews control the world financial system now we're on to lizard people i can't keep yeah, up lizard, with yeah. all this stuff
0: so david ike is the lizard people person but what david ike has done is uh they, so david ike was interviewed on this channel called london real which is like this american guy who lives in london he's got a huge huge following uh, he's like a joe rogan kind of ripoff he's he's sort of a he's basically got about a thousandth of the charisma of joe rogan but has sort of managed to get a lot of the same guests that joe rogan has done in the uk but in the uk and uh, he's part of this sort of kind of Libertarian bro culture, um, you know, into the fitness and MMA and jujitsu and this kind of stuff, and and uh, he was like a former banker. Now he runs this thing called London Real, and he interviewed David. Icke. I think it was like the most streamed live event in YouTube history or something. So when they when they interviewed this guy, and uh, they, YouTube took it down because of he's spreading kind of clearly just bullshit information. But there's this. It, it's really troubling because now there's this movement happening. You know, there's this counter movement to the, that's picking up steam, uh, and and denying the fact that coronavirus is real, and denying the fact that it, it that that it's killing people, uh, and it's all a kind of a giant plot. And these, so there is this sort of massive mistrust in the media right now. Uh, nobody nobody sort of trusts the media to report accurately what's going on i think part of it is because you know trump's completely fucked the system up as well he's created this alternate reality where up up is down and left is right and then you've got the kind of the bonkers new ages who are now the new ages and the trump alt-right are kind of converging into this anti-globalist narrative uh, that believes that you know there's some sinister forces out there trying to create you know a global government, and they are paedophile like Hillary Clinton and and uh, George Soros are kind of architects of a paedophile ring, and 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 it's it's taking off, you know, at a level that I just did not think was possible. And and it's, it's actually really, I, I'm actually kind of really troubled by it because people who I know are kind of spreading this stuff or, or put, putting it up and saying, "What do you think about this?" And uh, I'm having to bite my tongue, and most of the time I'm not biting my tongue, and I'm just calling them idiots. I'm saying, you know, if you think this, you're you are literally an idiot. You know, it, it's surprising. I've got a friend of mine who told me that, you know, he's got friends and family who are actual medical professionals who are spreading this stuff as well, which is even fucking scarier. So I don't know what to make of it, but it's it's it's. I think we're in a. It's not good. It's really really not good, and it's really important that. Uh, pe- people kind of listen to experts, but this is this is the age that we live in, where you know you get a YouTube channel, you're an expert. You, know, you, you put some video up and and splice together foot- random footage that that may or may not be um, connected. And uh, you've got the kind of conspiracy minded people who say, "Oh, you see, like I knew it. I knew it. it was the you know George Soros and Bill Gates working to like in tandem with the lizard people or wherever the fuck." Yeah, so. I don't know. I don't know where we go from here, but it's getting quite hard to this all benefits Trump, by the way, as well, because this is taking off a lot in America. And this benefits Trump hugely because he can then
1: it, the more confusion there is, the more he benefits. Conspiracy theory culture doesn't really strike me about as being about truth so much as being about in the know. And then you get to call everyone else sheeple. So it's like everyone who listens to doctors are sheep, are sheeple. Exactly. Exactly. It it really doesn't have anything to do with the truth, I suspect. I I think it has to do with feeling superior and more intelligent uh, than other people, because then you get to call them the idiots for, you know, not believing what they believe. And it'd be interesting to see, like, if a conspiracy theory ever became, like, mainstream, like suddenly you have, like... 80% 80% of people believing in something like suddenly to people who might be inclined toward conspiracy theories might not want to believe that thing. Cause it's just so widely held. They don't get to be part of that small group that's in the know and gets to attack others for being stupid or sheeple.
0: Yeah. I, you know what? I had that thought. I thought uh, that you're, you almost, you certainly right it's just being contrary it's being a contrarian you know it's being cleverer than everybody else and being woke you know so that you're woke and everybody else is stupid and it but it's such a you know and what what's pissing me off about it is that it is just it, it it seems to me like it's just one giant vanity thing going on right it's just this it's just one huge sort of ego um project by these new ages and trump people who think that they um you you know i think they're scared by what's happening which is understandable you know like it's a fucking scary time the pandemic is not you know it's real people are dying like the virus it's a it's a goddamn virus it's one of the most contagious viruses we've ever seen right and it's ripping through the human population and people are dying so it's i think it's freaking people out and i think that a lot of people sort of it's warping their mind and they they're they're kind of projecting all their insecurities um and and sort of channeling it through these conspiracy theories where it's like a denial a denialism of what's happening whereas in reality yeah it's just they're kind of you know they're not as clever as they think they are they're searching for certainty when we're living in very uncertain times it's extremely you know, it's very, very uncertain times. Nobody knows like what the fuck this is, or when it's going to end, or how we cure it, or how we treat it. Nobody knows. So if you've got some theory that it's all, you know, Bill Gates, and it's all about, you know, the the CDC is is working with the with the World Health Organization, and the World Health Organization is funded by, by you know, Jews or or Hillary Clinton or a pedophile ring or something, then it's, you've all got it worked out. So you have an answer. There's some there's something tangible that you can point to and say, Yeah, that they're they're to blame. Whereas in actual fact, it isn't. It's a fucking virus.
1: Yeah, and also there's a natural human inclination, I think, at work here, and that is to make sense out of chaos by attributing it to something some entity that is driving this right it can't just be random it can't just be happenstance that stuff like this happens it can't be that we have a coronavirus it can't be that we have you know the kennedy assassination like and all of this stuff it's this all all of these huge things that have happened throughout history must be the result of some nefarious force yeah and 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 I get that. I do understand that. And I think that, but
0: what happens a lot of the time is it, it detracts from, like, real, you know, from real conspiracies, you know? There are real conspiracies, and they're happening, like, right in front of our faces, that, you know, Trump is basically letting people die. He's not taking the coronavirus. He has never taken the coronavirus seriously. He has been woe- was woefully unprepared for it, ignored the reports, uh, essentially has sort of... Um, uh, and he's basically his plan is to allow people to die to get the economy up. And if that's not a conspiracy, I don't know what the fuck is a conspiracy, right? It's you know it's what scientists are telling us about what why this is happening is you know the coronavirus is happening because we are we are inter- catastrophically interfering with nature. You know we are we are chopping up forest land and you know this is what happens when eco eco ranges are disturbed, viruses viruses are kind of unleashed into the human population that's and and the answers are right in front of our faces it's it's like i mean if you'd want to call it a conspiracy maybe i don't see why that's not a conspiracy clearly it's a conspiracy you know it's a conspiracy of the trump administration it's a conspiracy of like oil companies and and uh uh, agribusiness that are are destroying the environment. I mean, these are all real things that are happening. But the problem, if you start talking about Bill Gates and 5G and all this other nonsense, you distract from the from what actually happened. You know, it's like 911. You know, there was a real conspiracy with 911, and it was the Bush administration's catastrophic response to 911. And you know, they were the fact that they were warned about it. And, and he, because you've got all these bonkers people claiming that you know they planned it and it was all a jewish conspiracy banking conspiracy or whatever you basically distract people from what's actually happening and i think that powerful people i think the bush administration they loved all the conspiracy theories that were floating around the internet because it absolved them of any wrongdoing you know it, it stopped there from being legitimate probes into their into what they did it was this giant distraction. And we've got the mother of all distractions now with all these conspiracy theories flying around. No one's now, you know, the the eye is off the ball now. Now it's like we're not looking at what Trump has done so much. Now it's all about fucking Bill Gates. And he's mad.
1: The conspiracy in this case is a conspiracy of the Trump administration and the states who want to open up in the name of saving the economy. And... I I don't think that's a good idea right now. You know, based on what I am reading, based on what epidemiologists are telling us, is that if we lift restrictions, if we lift restrictions right now, then we're gonna get that second wave a lot sooner than we thought we would get it. You know, the prevailing wisdom has been if we social distance, if we shelter in place. We'll get it, we'll flatten the curve, and then there will probably be a second wave in November, just like there was with Spanish flu in 1918. But we're starting to reopen tattoo parlors, nail salons, other non-essential businesses. The problem with this is that many states are seeing more cases at faster rates. Axios, they have a map that's measuring the percent change in number of cases during the seven-day period between... April 27th and May 4th, only 13 states experienced a decrease. 17 states held steady, and the remaining 20 states uh, had a higher percent change in the number of cases. Now, I'm sure in part, that's attributable to a wider availability of tests, but the death rates are still rising. Right now, we're averaging 1,750 deaths per day, the White House expects that that number will be around 3,000 people a day will be dying of this by June 1st. Um, and that was, according to the New York Times, they reported that they apparently reviewed an internal White House document. And then you had the AP come in. I'm, I'm paraphrasing them here, but the University of Washington doubled its projection of COVID-19 deaths in the U.S. to around 134,000 through August Uh, with a range of 95,000 to nearly 243,000. And they talked to this guy named Christopher Murray, who directs the institute that created these projections, where he's saying uh, the increase is largely because most states are expected to ease restrictions by next week. So this is why they revised their numbers. And he said that without stay-at-home orders and similar measures, quote, we would have much larger epidemics and deaths in staggering numbers, end quote. And he went on to say that, Cooperation is waning with cell phone location data showing that more people are, are getting out. They're going out now, they're going out more often, uh, even before the states have reopened. So so that's really not good. And then Mark Cuban posted on his blog, Mark Cuban, he's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. You can, this is a, it's a great post. It's got what it's, it looks like in an area where restrictions have already been lifted. Like, and so in Texas right now, you can go to stores, you can go to restaurants and stuff like that. He hired mystery shoppers to go into 300 Dallas area stores and restaurants to see how compliant these establishments were being um, when it came to the state's own guidelines on how to reopen safely. And they did this, the mystery shoppers, they went to these establishments on May 1st, 2nd and 3rd when the governor said these places could reopen. That was May 1st. The results weren't great. Only 4% of the establishments were compliant with all the mandatory reopening standards set forth by the state of Texas. And these are standards like having hand sanitizer available at the entrance and the exit of your establishment. You know, posting social distance signage using disposable menus disinfecting tables after the customers leave and a third a full third of the establishments were abiding by fewer than half the guidelines so people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing even after restrictions have been lifted and that second wave might not be coming in the fall but it might be coming this month or next month because we're opening fucking tattoo parlors and nail salons in the middle of a pandemic. And you've got the president saying, we need to get the economy going again. But he's also saying this is, that this is all up to the governors to decide when to reopen. And he's right, that is the case. And so when that second wave hits and people ask Trump, you know, what the fuck, he'll say, don't look at me. I didn't tell all these governors to reopen. This is on them, not me. And then you know, Fauci has basically saying, in a very understated sort of way if you kind of listen between the lines of what he's saying that if the states start opening back up there's going to be a lot more trouble he was on he was on CNN the other day i think it was and he he was talking about reopenings and he said look it all comes down to how much death and suffering you're willing to tolerate uh, in exchange for a return to normalcy i'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing there, obviously, but that was the gist of what he was saying, and and this is where we're at now. Unfortunately, it's a it's a disaster. But the, what I do think it's very
0: short term, just from a sort of okay, let's we you know this might segue into the next thing we're going to talk about, which is the the 2020 election. But what I find so perplexing is that from a political point of view, Trump appears to think that this is in his best interest, but it's not it's not he's going to get people killed and a lot of them are going to be his base right so he's literally killing his own base by i mean there's a you know there's there's some data right now in florida about um, actually it's a really good piece in vanity fair about what's happening in florida on the on the ground and um, you know basically florida is getting hit you know they're getting hit with coronavirus and trump is losing older voters right, they're they're not happy with him, older voters are not happy with Trump's response to this, because they're on the fucking front lines of this, they're on the front lines of the coronavirus pandemic, right, because they're going to die first, so a lot of, I think there is, there is still, there is a self-preservation instinct that kicks in as the older you get, where you realise that kind of, okay, like, you know, I could die from this, and Trump is, is, so I don't, there is no reasoning other than, like, let's just get through today, like, this month looks bad, so let's get let's uh, let's do something to make me look good right now. right? He's not thinking a month or two months, three months, four months ahead. He thinks of like what's happening this week. Responsible president would be urging people to be patient, you know, would be constantly talking to the public and telling them, you know, now, the, this, this, you know, nice time to be patient, be looking at getting them. um yeah if they could pass some bill you know if they could pass a kind of a reasonable assistance bill where you're getting at least you know let's just go with Mitt romney Mitt romney wants a thousand dollars for for each every every american until this is over per month that would be something that would be a maybe a good idea
1: but nothing there's none of that at all it's let's just reopen the economy i can't understand it it is extremely short-term thinking by trump Obviously, he doesn't care who gets hurt right now. He cares more about his re-election prospects. Uh, Trump is very stupid in many ways. He is a very, very dumb man. But his ability to spin a narrative and stick to it and convince people that he's not the fucking bullshit artist that he is, is incredible. On that, he is a genius. It's how he got to the top of New York real estate, and it's how he got to the top of our government.
0: Yeah, I I agree completely, and I think that you know I was actually listening to a good discussion on this on uh, Pod Save America, which is a really good podcast. Um, to you know, there's a lot of the former Obama people in who kind of helped run his election, ran uh, his campaign uh, in 2008 and 12, but they were talking about um, the, this issue in particular, and it's they made the point that a lot of the country doesn't view Trump the way that we view Trump. So when we talk about Trump, like anybody with half, anybody with half a brain can see that this guy is an idiot, that this guy's a fake billionaire. He's not, he inflated his own self worth. He was probably pretty rich, but he got that off brand off basically using his name, his celebrity. He just slaps his name on things and makes money that way. Right. That's how he got rich. Uh, he's not good at business. He's not good at anything. I mean, he's, that, he's fucking terrible at business. Th- that and dad's money. Right. That, yeah, that he was born wealthy, which is you know, fine. But like, you know, he didn't do anything to earn that. Uh, so anybody with half a brain can, I uh, can see that this guy is a con man. He's a bullshit artist, but that's not the perception with, you know, a, a vast, you know, parts of the country actually see him as being legitimate they're like oh well you know he's a businessman they trust him on the economy a lot of independents think that trump is good on the economy even some democrats think that you know there are people you know who think oh well you know he's a businessman so he must be good and this is what i think um is quite troubling is that that he is going to get he will get a pass on his atrocious handling of this response and the absolutely terrifying kind of collapse of the of the job market He's going to get a pass on this because people still seem to think that he's actually, you know, he's a businessman. He must be smart. He knows what he's doing on the economy. I think the data shows that Americans trust Trump more in the economy than they do Biden. I mean, I trust the monkey with the economy more than than Trump. It's amazing. But Republicans seem to have this sort of inbuilt advantage. Right. Of like of of they're viewed as being good on the economy for, for no reason absolutely zero reason whatsoever it's all just it's a complete myth
1: not based in any reality whatsoever how much of that do you think is this idea that republicans are very pro-business and therefore if businesses are doing well then the people are doing well i i I suspect that that might be part of the reason why republicans are viewed as, as being good on the economy maybe that and like the '80s and Ronald Reagan and all that stuff. It would be interesting to see if the polling goes back far enough, like say the 1950s or even the '40s, how Republicans' performance on the economy was rated by Americans. I'd be very interested to know.
0: Yeah, I, historically, I don't know how far that goes back, but I think that that's at least been it's been very true. Uh, since, since at least since Ronald Reagan, you know, since the eighties, it's been that's kind of been the yeah, it's with with the kind of um, sort of Milton Friedman uh, free market capitalism. When it, as soon as the right kind of um, uh, adopted that as its major platform and became became kind of completely pro corporate, uh, pro big business, I, I think that that's definitely kind of remained true. That as, as long as you have, and it, you, you can kind of see this sort of propagated through the media system as well i mean it, it without being too conspiratorial uh, the media the media system in america is owned by i mean there's a frighteningly small number of companies that own all the major media companies in america i think there's like five companies or something that own 90 percent of the media companies in, in the in the states so you've never really had in america any media that's willing to push back on the kind of conventional wisdom about the economy. The fact that kind of um, you know people like Maria Bartiromo are viewed and who's that guy, there's another Trump, there's another economist, he's sometimes on Bill Maher Stephen Moore Stephen Moore, that's the guy right that these, I mean Maria Bartiromo and Stephen Moore are I mean they are clearly idiots I mean just they're just not bright. They're just morons. Uh, and yet they're kind of they're, they're wheeled out as being serious economists on, on major networks. I think that that's a fact that's because the you know, the it's a corporate media system and it reflects the kind of views of the of the owners. That's the way that the debate is framed, that Democrats are good, you know, good on social issues, but not good on the economy. And the opposite issue of Republicans. Why? Because it kind of, you know, you probably want to, even if you're a liberal media outlet, you want to ensure that your large corporations do exist. So you can you can be pro Democrat, but you're going to be you're going to want to make sure that party
1: is kind to big business as well. Right. I mean, these companies are, in many cases, multi-billion dollar companies run by rich people who, (laughs) you know, it's in their best interest to have things stay the same or maybe even lobby for some tax cuts. That's number one. And the second thing is they rely on advertisers. Okay. And they rely on other major companies for revenue. So if you have a network that is really like pumping Medicare for all, you know, Aetna is not going to want to advertise with you anymore. You know, Blue Cross is not going to want to advertise with you anymore. So that, that's that's another calculation. And also, I think another thing is like all of these people hang out with one another, whether it's the executives, whether it's the journalists. They all, not all, but many of them go in the same social circles. You know, Politico, Washington, D.C., The Hill, okay, and in the, the Beltway, and then the New York Times and, and the Wall Street Journal. They, they're all talking to each other. And it's kind of, I don't know what those gatherings are like, but I can only imagine that, like, a lot of their biases are reinforced. And so you get this entrenchment effect of prevailing opinion in these publications and it almost like it never changes.
0: You know look I I think there is there's a lot of truth to that. I don't think it's com- the complete truth. I think that you know there are still some some responsible media outlets that that have a kind of a broad you know quite a lot of different differing opinions. Uh you know I still think the Washington Post and the New York Times are extremely credible newspapers that have proper journalists and good fact checking and interesting opinion pieces as well but yes i think that you know that that does yeah yeah the kids will go to the same schools and you know i I live in dc i know that i know what the high schools are like here the private high schools are where you know which ones are the ones that's where the, the 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 kind of Politicians and the and the and the Washington Post higher ups send their kids to the the MSNBC journalists and the CNN journalists and Politico they yeah it's a it's one big sort of elite club, and they all know each other, that's troubling. You know, that's not good. I don't think that's good. I don't think that's healthy for democracy. I don't think it's healthy for the media uh, as, as well. So it does kind of and, and I think that the major beneficiaries of this is the Republican Party because the Republican Party basically get to um, uh, you know they can fuck everything up completely. But they they have they they're able to retain they're able to retain this sort of myth that they are somehow competent and good on the economy when all they want to do, they don't even have any ideas anymore. There are no ideas. It's just let's cut taxes. and that's it. You know no no new ideas on how to do how do reinvestment nothing. It's just let's cut taxes. How are we going how are we going to drive reinvestment in the economy? We'll cut taxes for big business
1: how are we going to get the economy going again? Let's just throw open all the doors in the middle of a pandemic and just hope it all turns out. Okay. Yeah. The callousness I find just to
0: be amazing. It's kind of like gun crime. It's like gun deaths in America. I wrote a piece about this on the the newsletter and, uh, this week. And, and just what's now happening is this sort of desensitization to death that the coronavirus is like Americans have now just sort of accepted that like that's what's happening hundreds of thousands of people are going to die and that's the cost of getting capitalism running you know dead school children like you've got you dead elementary school kids with their heads blown to pieces and that's the cost of of freedom and and I feel I feel and fear that the same thing is happening with the coronavirus it's just now that You know, they're not even pretending to give a fuck about it anymore. The Trump administration, they're just like, yeah, okay, you're worried. What did Trump say? He views Americans as warriors. They're going out and sacrificing themselves just as, you know, elementary school kids are going out and sacrificing themselves so that so that some inbred fucking redneck in the South can own a gun. Leave that in
1: there. Let's not cut that. I mean that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, yeah Trump is calling uh, he's calling us warriors and he's getting tested every day for coronavirus We're like pawns in this game except there's no end game other than uh, let's let's uh, maybe get the economy going like that's th- there's no plan there's absolutely right. no plan we know this is gonna make things worse how much worse we don't know I do fear that, Even with these restrictions in place, social distancing and wearing masks and, you know, having hand sanitizer in your establishment, even with all of this stuff, you're multiplying the amount of economic activity and social activity by a huge factor here, by a huge factor. And so it stands to reason that the number of cases is going to go up at a faster rate than it is now. It stands to reason that the death rates are going to go up faster than they're going up now. This is already being predicted. This is like pre you know sheltering in place. Like the White House predicts that you know 3000 people a day will be dying of this by June 1st, and that was before all these places started announcing that they will be lifting restrictions. And I think the results are going to be extremely predictable, and I think that's why people should be pointing this out not the least of whom is Joe Biden, the presumptive Democratic nominee. I do not understand why he is not making a YouTube video every day or every other day explaining all of the reasons why this is a bad idea, in addition to explaining all of the reasons why Trump has fucked this up royally from the word go. Yeah, I, d- I don't know where we where we go from
0: here. I mean— uh, I just hope that he gets punished in November ter- terribly, you know, and I think, um, you know, I think uh, I'd, I'd like to see the Democrats capitalise on this as much as humanly possible. Um, and, we, you know, we can talk about that a little bit before before we end the podcast. I think, um, uh, you know, looking at 20- 2020, what are you seeing?
1: What's, what's your read of the map right now? I mentioned on a previous podcast that I think trying to predict things this far out is pointless. I probably, I personally won't start looking at polls until maybe after the first debate, just because I remember four years ago, we were in a position where Hillary Clinton was like tied with Trump in Georgia, or was it Utah? She was leading in one of those, but maybe she was leading in Georgia. And she was tied in Utah and she was leading big in these other places like Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. And we we know how that turned out. So I I don't know what's going to happen in November. I do know that I really disagree with the Biden campaign's approach here. They have decided basically not to say a whole lot, uh, especially not to say a whole lot about Trump's response to the coronavirus. They have I did see a tweet from him. That actually called out his lies, which is good because he had previously said on the view that, you know, when Trump lies, we shouldn't call them lies. We should say, "Look, those aren't the facts. Here's the deal." Which I don't know why you wouldn't, uh, why wouldn't you call him a liar? But I, I just think that they could be a lot more aggressive than they are now. I know the polls. You look at you know, Florida and Pennsylvania, I think, and some of these other places where Biden, I guess, is in the lead. But polls aren't static, that we have six months to go, a lot can change before then, you know, just as it did in 2016. And I really think Biden should be, like I said, cutting a YouTube video every day, or some video, but just getting it out on all the channels, have it be like 90 seconds long, two minutes long, and it, it could just be a whole series on all of the things that that Trump has done wrong, and you don't do it live because we saw what happens when the Biden campaign tries to do something like. Did you see his Tampa rally yesterday? His virtual Tampa rally. I heard it didn't go well. It did not go it. well. It it, it was it went technical. Horribly. T-
0: technical. Technical. Look, I'm just glad that they're making these mistakes. This like quite far out,
1: you know. That's, right. That's, that's, right. That's, that's but what, they've. That's what I'll but, say. But but and I don't put this on Biden. Obviously, it's not his job to set up a functioning TV studio in his I mean, we we can barely get this podcast right in terms of the tech involved. But (laughs) Biden's team, but Biden's team has like heavy hitters on it. And you need to have a functioning studio like you need to adjust. You You need to adapt to this situation. And just make sure things go smoothly. Like, yeah, there's going to be the occasional glitch, but like this thing was a disaster. Frozen screens, like there was a bird chirping nonstop outside of Biden's window. Like just weird blank screen, just like moments of awkwardness. Like Biden saying, are we on? And it's just like, all right, can we get our shit together here? Can we please yeah. get this shit together? Because if we can't do a live stream with only 3,000 viewers tuning in or whatever it was, yeah. how the hell are we going to run a government? OK, I know they can get the, the, the TV studio thing right. I know they can get the live stream right. Let's So let's fucking get it right, please. And it, I'm, I'm so – it pisses me off so much because Biden was not my ch- first choice. In fact, I would take almost anyone else in the Democratic field this year over Biden but Biden's the nominee, so fine. Okay, it has to be Biden. Tulsi Wait, Gabbard,
0: you're saying you choose Tulsi Gabbard?
1: Uh, that's I, I Oh, man. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know. I her vote, her her present vote on the impeachment articles were disqualifying it, it ludicrous. Abs- and her explanation was ludicrous yeah but, she's a trump mm-hmm. she's a she basically she likes trump
0: like i don't well trump she likes her way. and she likes trump yeah <laughs> they loved it the the trump the trump people love 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 Tulsi gabbard you know cuz she she goes she's she goes down the rabbit hole of the conspiracy theories and yeah she's great like i i think uh anyway that's she's out there's no need to talk about her but look I, I i get your i get your point i think that um i don't know i mean the only thing that we can go by now is the polls and i think that um you know what happened with Hillary Clinton was an anomaly that wasn't you know um, necessarily like what happened there was a like Trump literally it was a complete
1: freak win that he that he wasn't by any genius of Trump whatsoever well well, a, well guess who's going to have the Republican nomination again this year
0: right so will let's hope he's not you know, to pull it off twice
1: but I think that
0: what I'd want to see from Biden uh, is not necessarily so because there were enough people attacking Trump Like, you don't really fucking need to, like, make more of a deal out of uh, how badly Trump is doing. Like, I think everyone can see it. But what I do think that they need to be that that Biden does need to be doing, he needs to be auditioning for the role. I think he really needs to be auditioning for the role seriously and saying, look, I I've got and here's my economic plan." Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to rebuild the economy. Here are things that I'm going to change when I'm I'm in office. Here is the corruption that I'm going to clean up. Here's how I'm going to make your life better. You know, he's got to convince the middle part of the country that their lives will get better under him, right? That he's a steady hand. That He's going to have a competent administration. They're going to do things directly to, to help that particular subset, right? And I think that the more, if he gets dragged down in the dirt with Trump, it's a fight that he can't win. This is where Trump's an expert going down into the dirt and basically dragging you down there with him. He just views that's how he wins, right? He, he drags you into the most disgusting fights. And he's an he, absolute genius. I mean, look what he did to Hillary Clinton. I mean, it was like he just managed to, they poured so much shit on her and and drug her, dragged her down into the mud. And I think that Biden has to be very, very careful about doing that with Trump. I think he lets the surrogates attack him and then he has to make a convincing case for himself. And I don't I, you know, I am not seeing enough of that yet. I think that he really needs to start to ramp that up. I think that like so I'm slightly I'm critical from a different perspective. I think that he's he's not doing enough to kind of audition that concerns me a bit i mean look the data is data are good you know from what we can see particularly florida you know like if 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 biden wins florida that's it like it's game over he trump can't win if if, if biden takes florida
1: well you're assuming um, he's that biden will win states that hillary didn't in addition to florida yeah but it's but there are so many electoral
0: votes in florida like trump trump would have to run the tables everywhere he would have to win like virtually every swing state on the board Right. If, if 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 Biden wins Florida, it makes Trump's path to victory a lot harder if, if Biden takes Florida, uh, as I understand it. And look the, the, the fact is, is that they get, like it's broadened, right? Like the battlegrounds of like there are now more swing state. There are now more states in play in 2020. And that's basically uh,
1: because Trump is so unpopular. That. I wow. don't I don't know about that. I mean, I mentioned I mentioned Utah and Georgia as two in 2016. They for a time or around this time back mm. in the 2016 election cycle, they were kind of considered swing states. But with with Trump like, oh yeah, it's it's good that he's losing in Florida, but if Trump repeats his performance in the Midwest, he can afford to lose Florida. And he can also afford to lose uh yeah he could afford to lose florida because that would put him at 300 uh 275 electoral votes mm. so in that in that case but, he that, could but also- that he has
0: to what he what he has to win everywhere he has to win he has to i i, I just look I, I just think that that it um thus far there is there is no reason to be positive if you're trump you, you're, uh, if you're Trump, if you're in the Trump team, you, you should be very worried right now. And this is not to say that things can't change. I, ac- I agree completely that this could be completely turned on its head in a number of months. In a matter of months, it could, we could be to have a completely different conversation. Uh, even right up to the last minute, you know, it, it, it can change as it did with, with Hillary Clinton. But I think, I think that the only concrete evidence that you can go on, are the polls coming out of the swing states, and thus far, if you're Trump, you should be concerned. They've got a lot of advantages. We've I mean, got way far a lot more money than than than, the, than than Joe Biden. Joe Biden is
1: like fucking broke compared to uh, compared right. to Donald Trump. Right. It speaks uh, to a certain enthusiasm gap that we mentioned on a previous episode. I agree with you on one thing about Biden's approach. Obviously, he. Has to make the case for himself and what he would do. You know, he has to make the case for what he would have done. Like, say, okay, here, here's what Trump did wrong. Here's what I would have done. And also, here's what I will do starting on day one of my presidency to help those who lost loved ones, uh, who lost their livelihoods, uh, who lost their faith in America in uh, yeah. a time of crisis. Not something I would say, but it's definitely something that Joe Biden would say. I do think it's important, though, to hit Trump negatively on this because this is like this is the number one issue right now going into November, and it's likely to remain that way. And like you said, the poll numbers aren't great for him, and we know that in large part, or we can imagine that in large part, it's because of the coronavirus, so in his handling of it. And so Biden should hang this thing around his neck like an albatross. And the other thing is. We know this is gonna turn into a mud fight. It involves Trump. It's going to be a mud fight, whether Joe Biden wants to admit it or not. So I think a good way, going into these debates, right, where you can only prep so much and you have all of these impromptu things that happen and you have to speak off the cuff, get in some practice by going after Trump, hitting him with these short videos and just kind of like immersing yourself in that language, in the language of Trump's failure, and even um, David Axelrod and David Pluff, uh, Pluff, Pluff, uh, I don't know, but they had a Plow, Plow, maybe. They wrote a joint op-ed in the New York Times, and I'll I'll quote from it now. Mr. Trump has consistently trailed Mr. Biden in public polling and the president's fate may well be inexorably tied to perceptions of his handling of the crisis and the path the virus and the economy take from here. But that's an assumption the Biden campaign can ill afford to make. As with every other facet of our lives, the COVID-19 pandemic has transformed how the presidential race will be run. Every aspect of campaigning must be rethought from how you present yourself and reach and organize voters to how you stage a national convention in a time when large public gatherings are proscribed. And so basically, you know, they're kind of saying the same things that we're that we're talking about here. But I really do hope that, um, you know, oh, and they go on to add, they say, online speeches from his basement won't cut it. Written pronouncements on this issue or... That may have won attention during his many years in office, but will get little pickup now. Broadcast interviews are fine, but most valuable only if they generate a great and memorable line that becomes a widely shared and consumed video moment. And so this kind of ties into, I think it was a political politico article, basically. Speaking to the challenges that the Biden campaign has had when it comes to making Biden go viral, which they haven't been able to do. His live streams don't get much play. He's got way fewer followers on social media than Trump. And I think by like cutting these, if he can get a good writer and just rattle off some lines that cut deep and set a narrative that way, then that's what he should be doing. I mean, yes, surrogates going after Trump and his failures, that's fine. But I think... People out there want to hear it from the nominee. It's one thing if Kamala Harris gets up there and says Trump is doing a terrible job and blah, blah, blah. She's not going to be president. Joe Biden would be the president. And Joe Biden needs to explain all of the things that Trump is fucking up in addition to all of the things that he would do differently. I agree
0: with that. I, I, I think that's correct. And I hope that his campaign team start to... Look, I I, I think that they are they have a... You know, it's, an, it's a real issue not, not being able to get out on a campaign trail. I think it's a real problem I think where you can kind of build energy and, and uh, do kind of more interesting interviews and interactions. You know, Biden's a guy that gets a lot of, you know, he's very much kind of talk, talking to people and interacting with voters and stuff like that. That's where he's sort of best. And I feel that, you know, that's taken away his, you know, one of his advantages. But, yeah, they're going to have to get smart quickly about this and and be very very pro- proactive and not just assume that they, they've got this in the bag because as we saw last time like he, he you know it's i think it's better to assume that he doesn't that trump is going to win this he's going to do what he did last time and you're gonna to have to fight like 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 hell to you know to win so anyway i think we 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 broadly agree on this you know maybe from different slightly different angles but yeah i think uh anyway i, I again i will say that Trump has a lot. Trump has a lot to worry about going into 2020, and he he, he is. Um, and I'm not saying this to kind of be a cheerleader for Biden or make people people feel better about about November. I do think that the guy is, and he you know he he's fucking this up in in sort of unimaginable ways. He's doing an astonishing job of kneecapping capping himself before he goes into 2020. Uh, But then again, it's Trump. It's Trump, and he, you know, the guy is, you know, he's got a miraculous ability to jump in a pot of shit and come out smelling of roses.
1: Exactly. And the Biden campaign should keep in mind that Trump is, he has not even really gone on offense yet against Biden. He will. He's going to talk about Burisma. There are going to be some subpoenas coming down the pipeline in the Senate regarding that matter. They're going to talk about China, even though. Trump himself has ties to China. The Republicans are already, they've distributed talking points to their candidates this year to hit their Democratic opponent for being weak on the Chinese Communist Party, or is it the Communist Chinese Party? Whichever it is, like China is going to feature prominently among Republican talking points against Democrats. Will it make sense for the most part? No. Will it work? Who knows? That's why it's important for the leader of the Democratic Party right now, that is Joe Biden, to start this narrative that Trump is the guy who blew the coronavirus response. And he needs to make that in very clear terms, because he's going to have some stuff coming down the pike. And at the end of the day, for a lot of voters, it might come down to, yeah, Joe Biden, his son had some shady dealings with Burisma and you know China, maybe. But does that outweigh Trump botching the coronavirus response that led to the needless deaths of thousands and thousands of people? That might be a calculus that a lot of voters make at the end of the day. I don't know, but it, it quite possibly could be. No, I, I think that's fair. Um, well, look, I think we, we, we should leave it there for today,
0: uh, covering a lot of ground, and, um, you know, we're going to talk uh, more next week. <laughs> you know, I, I dread the... It, you know, I, I would
1: love the days in the junior Obama administration when there wasn't a huge amount to talk about. Right, right, and yet we keep doing this to ourselves because we we keep getting more and more people who are playing the podcast. So we got to give the people what they want. So we're going to give people what they want. But no, thank you
0: everyone for listening. Uh, please subscribe to us. You can subscribe to us on Spotify. You can subscribe to us on itunes so you can listen to us directly in the mail which most of you are doing in the newsletter uh, if you're not subscribed to the newsletter please do so you can subscribe to the free version or the paid version two you get two free articles a week in the free version and you get five in the paid version so we will love you and leave you mike is there anything you want to add before we go
1: and read my site, newdealdemocrat.com. NewDealDemocrat.com. There you have it, everybody. See ya. See ya.